there was PlayStation, aka PS1. Then there's PS2, PS3, and now PS4. And that makes sense. You'd think after Xbox, there'd be Xbox 2, but no. Next came Xbox 360. Hmm? And now, after 360, comes Xbox One. Why one? Maybe that's how many seconds of thought they put into naming it. Can you get the butter, please? Yeah. However, with the Xbox One, I can control my entire entertainment system using voice commands. Up until now, I've had to use Leonard. Then get the other one. Pass the butter. Get, hang on. I don't feel like you're taking this dilemma seriously. Fine, Sheldon. You have my undivided attention. Okay, now, the PS4 is more angular and sleek looking. No way! It's true, but the larger size of the Xbox One may keep it from overheating. Well, you wouldn't want your gaming system to overheat. No, see, well, you absolutely would not. And furthermore, the Xbox One now comes with a Kinect included. Included? Yes! <laughs> not sold separately. You, although the PS4 uses cool new GDDR5 RAM, while the Xbox One is still using the conventional DDR3 memory. Why would they still be using DDR3? Are they nuts? <laughs> See, that's what I thought. But then they go and throw in an ES RAM buffer. Oh, wait, wait a second. Who's they? The Xbox. You're kidding! No, I am not. This ES RAM buffer should totally bridge the 100 gigabit per second bandwidth gap between the two RAM types. This is a nightmare. How will you ever make a decision? You see, I don't know. What should I do? Please pass the butter! I have to tell you, that is never not funny. At no point is that not funny. My husband was telling me this weekend, he goes, babe, every time you watch that video, you still laugh. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's, it's funny. The reason it's so funny is, you guys, that's my actual life. I live that life every day with my children. Um, it could be, um, I don't know if you've met my son, Michael. Um, Michael knows everything that will ever be known about any kind of musical or movie or actor about everything. And so I have to pretend some time to like care what he's saying, because at some point I just don't care anymore. I just want the conversation to be done. Um, or um, it could be Doctor Who. For no amount of money do I care what doctor we're actually on. What doctor is it, David? Oh, he left? He's hiding. Okay, I think it's like, is it 13? Are we on the 13th doctor? Well, are we? Thank you, Jordan. See, I don't care. I don't care what doctor we're on. But y'all, it has been amped up with the release of the Avengers, right? The release of the Avengers. So let me tell you a statement. I wrote it down that David said to me. Every Marvel universe is in the same multiverse. What does that even mean? So I said, so this is what I said to him. This is an actual conversation. Okay, so every Marvel universe is in the same multiverse. So does that mean there's different universes? And he goes, well, not actually. There's like universe to universe to universe to universe. But isn't that what I just said? <laughs> but it wasn't what I just said. So then the one question, he's so embarrassed right now. The one question is an opening to a lecture on the Marvel cinematic whatever of it all. And I will sit there and I will nod, right? The mamas in here are like, yes, I'll nod. And I'll be like, 
Mm-hmm. And act so interested when inside, I'm screaming, dear God in heaven, are we almost done? Please let this be over. Please pass the butter, right? Right, so that, that video is my life. So when I, went, I, I started writing this sermon, I, I, I started thinking about this video because this video made me think about what we do as Christians, that we sit down at a metaphorical table, sometimes literally, sometimes metaphorically, and we pretend to be present in conversations, right? We pretend to be all in. And most of us, especially those of us that have grown up in a church, we know how we're supposed to act. We know how to nod. We know how to say the appropriate things. We know how to um, raise our hands when it's the perfect time to raise our hands. We speak fluent Christianese, right? We know what it is we need to do. Um, But what happens is we sit at this table and we have a real need that's not being met while we pretend to meet someone else's need that isn't being met, right? Our culture has told us that in order to be the perfect Christian, we should perform in certain ways. You guys, this series that we're in right now, I think is stinking awesome because it's how to be a perfect Christian. Well, I don't think that exists. I have yet to meet the perfect Christian. I don't know what that looks like because I've never met them. Billy Graham's gone to be with Jesus. So we're all, (laughs) we got to look, I don't know. But there's a model of what we think the perfect Christian life should be, right? what we think that perfect Christian should talk like and act like. And then we all try to rise to that occasion. But the actual model that we've been given, Jesus gave us a model of what that perfect Christian looks like. Culture tells us that we should control our message, that perfect Christians never let anyone get close enough to your life to see what a mess it really is below the surface. But in reality, The only way for us to encourage, restore, and bear each other's burdens is by pursuing authentic community. Now, technology has made this easier than ever, right? We have the ability to create a facade to the world that we want them to see, a carefully crafted version of what is safe for the world to see. We all know those people on social media that look like they have it all together. So think about the perfect mom. She's got the perfect house. It's always perfect. Like everything's all picked up all the time. And God love her. It's always picked up. It's always perfect. Her children always look perfect. They always act perfect. They they do the perfect things. They are the perfect kid. It's kind of like Stepford wife-ish, right? But in reality, this mom posts this picture of this beautiful house. And the reality is, She's taken the picture probably 16 times to make sure that the one corner of her house that is clean, she's moved the dirty laundry out of the way so it still looks good, right? Don't all nod at me like you've never done this because I've done it. I've been like, oh, get that out of the way. No one can see that we actually live here, right? But in reality, that mom, the mom is overwhelmed. She is tired. She can't even go to the bathroom by herself right? If you've ever had a little child, you know what I'm talking about. Bathroom is like the community center for every mother in this room. 
she's tired, she's overwhelmed, she thinks her kids will never grow up and she will never have an adult conversation ever again, right? That's her reality, but what she presents to the world is her version of perfection. Or how about the dad? The dad that loves his kids so much and he posts picture after picture with him and his babies and he just loves life and it's wonderful. When in reality, that same dad has to work insane hours to provide for his family. And sometimes during the week, he only gets to see his kids on average 15 to 20 minutes a week once he actually gets home from work. And his reality is when he's at work, he's thinking about, I need to be with my kids. I need to be a better dad. (coughs) And when he's with his kids, he's thinking about, I still have this stuff I need to do at work. But what he presents to the world is his version of what he thinks perfection looks like. And then my personal favorite, the makeup tutorials of it all. Raise your hand if you like the makeup tutorials. Oh yeah, there's even some really cool costume ones, but whatever. Okay, so first of all, for those of you who've never watched a makeup tutorial, let me just save you all the problems and all the worries. Don't watch them. They don't work and they are alive from the pit of hell. It does not, it will not happen. Contouring, I don't, does anybody know what contouring is? Okay, so contouring, for those of you who don't know, is when you paint your face like a clown and then it's supposed to give you all this definition, these beautiful cheekbones and this defined nose and yeah, everything is just perfect. So (laughs) I wish you guys could have seen what some of my contouring tries. (laughs) There's one of them where they paint this big red dot in the middle of their face and then you blend and you're just supposed to blend and blend. I would still be blending till Jesus came back if I hadn't just wiped it off my face and said, that girl's a liar. That cannot happen. But what I find so ironic about these makeup tutorials, y'all, is that these girls are usually stunning. They're already beautiful, but they are putting on there, here's your Instagram face. This is how you should look for Instagram. For a selfie, you got to make yourself up just this way, okay? And that just seemed very complicated to me. I mean, I do good just to do this in the morning. And then then there's the regular day selfie. So these girls go to all this trouble with what they want to present to the world, right? This is their this is their version of perfection. When in reality, they struggle every day with self-esteem and low body issues. We have to make sure that what we present to the world is perfection. But here's the thing that I think is so cool. This is not a new problem. While technology has made it easier, it is not a new problem. Our text that we're gonna talk about today, I think this is the coolest text because I love when the Lord reveals new nuggets to you, new new truths to you. And when I was trying to figure out what I was gonna preach on, well, what my text was gonna be on, my sweet husband said, Dana, read this. And he tells, and the story is the Apostle Paul, he talks to us about this same issue, this this reality that we think is our reality that we have to present to the world. And in this this chapter in Corinthians, he's referencing a story from Exodus 34, when Moses went up to the mountain and he received the 10 commandments. And most of us have heard the story. He goes up to the mountain, he has this moment with God and I'm, I'm glazing over it, but he comes down and he's glowing because he has, he's seen God. And he's reflecting the glory that he's seen. And so he's glowing. And then it goes on and it talks about how he puts a veil over himself. 
And I had always made the assumption that the reason that he had the veil on was to keep the people, they couldn't, they couldn't look at the glory of God. That was my assumption, that because the glory was so bright and it shone so bright, they couldn't look at it. But let me read this text to you. Our text is found in 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull for for to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Heavenly Father, I invite you today to come and sit with us, to come and abide with us. Holy Spirit, we invite you to saturate these walls with your anointing, Father. God, I ask you to let us hear the things that you would have us hear and allow me to say the things that need to be said. And Father, I ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I read, I read that scripture, and I read about the real reason that Moses covered himself with a veil. I was, I was shocked. I was shocked. And I have to tell you, it actually hurt my heart a little bit. The, let me read the verse to you again. It says, we're not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. You guys, he had had a literal physical encounter with God. For 40 days, he got to sit with God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that had to be like? So we've all had what we call those mountaintop experiences where it's you and God and you're like, woo, I can be anything. I'm a warrior for God. I'm going to change the world, all that stuff. You know, I call them like the camp high that our kids get when they come home from camp. They're like, oh yeah. Right. But then you come home. And life happens. And you're like, I don't want anybody to see that. So I'm going to keep posting hashtag blessed. And, you know, I I don't have good hashtags. So anyway, but um, (laughs) the thing that I find ironic is that Exodus tells us, tells us that Moses met daily with the Lord before he left the tabernacle. And, And every day he would meet with the Lord in the tabernacle and then he would cover his face back up. And he would cover his face back up because he didn't want anybody to see that this encounter with God was fading, that this physical reaction that he had to this encounter with God was fading. I wonder if he thought it would make him lose face with the people he was called to serve. I wonder if he was shamed by that, even though he had done nothing wrong. He was meeting daily with the Lord, but the glory was fading and he hid it. And y'all, that, that veil had implications for generations to come because he chose to wear a veil and hide what was actually happening. So that brings us to our first point, and that's hashtag fake news filter. 
Like I said, I don't do hashtags, so I have to give props to my daughter who I called and I said, I'm not cool enough to do hashtags, so I need you to give me hashtags for my points because I don't have any. So anyway, yay, Tori. Um, so <clears throat> hashtag fake news filter. We all have that filter that we really love to use on Instagram. Who has a favorite filter? Go ahead, admit it. I know y'all do over here. Yeah. Kyler, what's your favorite? My favorite is Rio de Janeiro. There you go. My favorite's Nashville. Yeah, my favorite's Nashville. It's because it's a little, like, blurry. So it hides the things that need to be blurred. But it's still a little edgy, so it makes me look like, you know, I'm relevant when I'm actually not at all. But anyway, we all have those Instagram filters that, that make you look good. But the same thing happens in our world. We put on our own filters to hide what's actually going on. We put on a filter of humor to hide pain. We put on a filter of apathy or indifference to hide real anger or real hurt. Well, I, we don't care. Teenagers are so good at that. The apathy of it all, like they could win awards. Like inside, there's some real stuff going on. And, but they put this filter on and they say, no, 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 I'm not going to let the world really see what's happening. You can put on a filter <clears throat> of joy to hide real sorrow. Y'all, I love this. If we use the right curtains, no one will ever, ever know that the window is actually broken. Think about that. Imagine if Moses had decided to let his reality be his truth rather than the facade that he chose to present to the world. You guys, I can't, I can't blame Moses. I can't blame him for, for wanting to hold on to that encounter. Oh my gosh, I can't blame him. Can you imagine spending 40 days in the actual physical presence of God? Can you imagine? We all live for that. We live to be in the presence of God. But here he was, 40 days abiding with God, talking with God. And then he came down from a mountain. But here's one thing that I, I think is so important to, to, to remember. We can live for these amazing encounter to the next amazing encounter to the next amazing encounter. And what happens, we become addicted to the emotional high that those encounters usually bring. And we don't begin to see God for who he, usually, who he really is. Our Christian life is not emotional high to emotional high to emotional high. Our Christian life is like emotional high, this sucks. Emotional high, not as bad as that suck, but it's still not great. Emotional high, you know what I'm saying? Life is like this. It's not all big, one big emotional high. We can't live for encounter to encounter to encounter. We have to understand <clears throat> that our real relationship with God is found in the day to day in the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the uglier, right? That's where our real relationship with God is found. That's where authentic relationship with God is found. And the same is found with our relationship with other people. True, authentic relationships are built in the trenches. Think about the people in your life that you would call to be your people. Those relationships were built so many times when life is hard when there's great hurt, the people that you can sit with and say, I am not okay today. I'm not in a good place. But I think even more importantly, 
authenticity is built in the day-to-day of your life. Those people that you go out to dinner with, you have game nights with, the people that, hey, you wanna come over and watch a movie? The people that you choose to welcome into your life, those are your authentic relationships. The people in the day-to-day, living life together. I, the, the people that are the biggest people in my life, the people that I speak with and allow to speak into my life the most are those people that I've done life with. So when life gets hard, I can sit down and talk with them. I've built trust with them. I've built authenticity because I've seen them in the normal. So I know I can trust them in the hard, right? The same, when we choose to live life through a filter, we will never walk in the freedom that God says is ours. You guys, sometimes what I think is, is so dangerous is sometimes our physical filters can become our spiritual filters. And it's so dangerous if we allow those things to color, not only how we see each other, but how we see God. Verse 14 says, but their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. What started out as superficial for the children of Israel became an actual physical veil. When you don't see the things as they truly are, then you will not see yourself as you truly are. You won't see others as they truly are because you're so busy hiding behind your filter, you're not gonna dig deep enough to see behind their filter and even more dangerously, you're not gonna see God for who he really is. You will never allow him to speak into your life the way he wants to speak into you because you're still over here hiding behind a filter because it's safe because it doesn't cause you to step out beyond what you think is comfortable. Remember the video that we talked about, all Amy wanted was the butter, right? But Sheldon wouldn't stop talking. So she had to sit there and pretend and nod and do all the things that she was supposed to say. She knew what she was supposed to say. So she did those things to make sure that she just got the butter, right? So think about it, these three ways. I can't see myself as I really am. When I can't see myself for who I really am, then I can't see others for who they really are. And then I can't see God for who he is. So we wanna live a life with no filter. But you guys, when I say living a life of no filter, it's important. It's important to understand, I'm not talking about putting it all out there. That brings us to our second point, hashtag TMI. Okay, I'm gonna teach you all a phrase that we should all just make it our life motto. Oversharing is not caring, right? Let's all say it together. Oversharing is not caring. How many of you know an oversharer? How many of you follow an oversharer on Facebook or Instagram? I do, I'm a lurker. I will go look up my oversharer friends and be like, I can't believe they said that. But it's kind of fun to watch. It's like, you know, a bad car accident and you can't help but look, but you can't look away, but oh, it's bad. But everybody knows those people. <clears throat> Oversharing is usually, usually born out of a need to be seen. It's usually born out of a need to be heard. And I wanna tell you today something very important what you think and what you feel in your life and your story 
is precious. I recently heard this quote that kind of blew me away. You share with people who have the right to hear your story. Someone has to earn the right to hear your story. You shouldn't just put it out there like it's some common thing. Your story is valuable. It is precious. And it's a privilege. It's a privilege for someone to sit across the table from you and to hear your story. It should not be something that you just give out freely because you think everyone deserves it because everyone doesn't deserve it. You want, to, you want people that hear your story to be people that are in authentic relationship with you. You deserve that. You deserve what that gives you. You deserve the authenticity that that gives you. Don't waste your story on people that don't even, they just want the butter, right? They don't care about your story, not because they're not good people, but they're over here dealing with their own stuff. Share with the people who value your story like you value your story. I say all the time that it's important to know people in your circles. And I think I say this all the time because Pastor Trey has taught so much good stuff on the circles that we have in our life. So our outer circle is our acquaintances. And then the circle that comes in after that are our friends and our family, the people that know us. But then there's that inner circle. And y'all, I believe our inner circle should be kind of small. My inner circle's small, intentionally. I, part of it is I don't want everybody to see the mess, but also I want to make sure that the people that are speaking into my life, I've given permission to speak into my life and they're going to speak truth to me. When there's stuff going on, they're going to know they can call it out and they can tell me what I need to fix or they can be my cheerleader when I need a cheerleader, right? So I'm going to be intentional about who is in that inner circle. So when I say, don't overshare. I mean that you don't have to show everyone everything, but y'all, you need to show someone somewhere something. Don't sit in isolation. Isolation is the enemy's, he, he loves isolation. He loves to get you in a place where you're all alone, where you've shut out friends and family, you've shut out that inner circle, you've even shut out God and you're isolated and you're listening to all the lies. Sometimes you speak them to yourself, sometimes he whispers them in your ear, but isolation, the enemy loves it. So you don't share it with everyone, but find someone, find someone to share that hurt. For some of us, it's been so long that we've lived a life without filters. We don't even know what that looks like anymore. We have chosen to live a life that's a facade. When I think about a facade, I think about, you know, those old Western towns and you would go down Main Street and it would look like these buildings were like four stories tall when in reality, one story. But the front of it, you know, the front of it looked like those people had it going on. They didn't. They just, that was what they wanted to present to the world. We have to be careful that what we present to the world is a true, authentic reflection of the love of Jesus. That's what we get to present. We get to present his reflection. So if you're in a place of isolation, I wanna tell you that you're gonna be okay. It's not on you. It's not on you to get out of it. It's on Jesus. He came to make sure that you didn't have to be alone, that you didn't have to walk you didn't have to walk this journey alone. You don't have to wear that filter. He's the one that takes the veil away. He's the one that presents you with a different direction. He's the giver of life. 
and he's the giver of your purpose. And that brings us to our third point, hashtag no filter. Can we imagine living a life without a filter? Verse 16 to 18 says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is in the spirit. A filter-free life is a life of freedom, bottom line. When you choose to say, I am gonna be authentic with people, people who I trust, people who value me and value my story, when I choose to be authentic with those people, then I learn how to be authentic with God too. I learn how to sit in a room and say, God, this is where I'm at. This is how I'm feeling. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And when you sit with the Lord in an authentic relationship, that's when freedom comes. That's when freedom becomes your life story rather than the life story you think you're living with, a story of filters. That's not what God wants for us. He wants us to be authentic. He wants us to live a life of freedom, not a life of isolation. That's not what he wants for any of us today. I have to tell you that um, th these last couple weeks have been a little strange for me. I haven't um, really felt like Dana. And when the Lord started telling me kind of the, the direction he wanted me to take with this sermon, I with my husband and I said, we always talk about what, what I want you guys to walk away with. What's the, what's the walk away? What do you want them to leave with? And I said, I want them to know it's okay to be authentic. It's okay to be real with people. When in reality, for the last two, two and a half weeks, I have done everything that I just told you all not to do. I had a situation that happened at my job that sent me into a tailspin. Someone did something, and the irony, y'all, the irony is the person that did this isn't even someone I actually care for. That's important to know. But they said something that broke me. And that one thing from a person that I don't even value caused me to question things I've never questioned in my whole life. I have never until the last two weeks questioned the calling that God placed on my life and I did. I questioned everything and I didn't know how to handle the enormity of what I was feeling because I felt so isolated and so alone and I had isolated myself. I didn't reach out to the people I would normally reach out to. And here's the irony, and at the beginning, I was actually proud of this, no one knew, no one knew. I walked through the halls of this church those two weeks, no one had a clue that inside I was hurting. And I was proud of that. And y'all, that's not from God. 
I didn't reach out to the people that could have helped me, that could have called me on the stuff that I was saying to myself and could have said, Dana, this is, this is not what God says about you. But instead I chose to isolate myself and I was just living in this stuff. And I was, I was saying stuff over myself, y'all. The devil didn't even have to say it to me. I was doing it all by myself. The stuff I was saying, oh my goodness. Until last Sunday night, Josh and I were driving back home from Waco. And he looked over at me and he said, what are you thinking about? And I said, babe, I gotta tell you something. And I let it all out. See, I knew I could trust him with my story. I could trust him with my heart because he's proven faithful over and over again. And I would love to tell you that it all went away in that moment, but it didn't. But I wasn't carrying it by myself anymore. Authentic relationships don't mean that it's always gonna be easy. But authentic relationships mean your life doesn't have to be alone. You do not have to do this life alone. And because I chose to trust my husband, I was able to trust other people as well. The people, my inner circle people. And then finally, I was able to trust Jesus. I was able to sit at his feet again and say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I didn't trust you with what I was feeling and how badly I was hurting. Will you speak truth in my heart again? Will you reveal yourself to me one more time? Will you remind me of who you say I am? And because I've built authentic relationship with him and I have this foundation of authenticity with him, I knew what his voice sounded like. And so he could speak truth to me. One more time. One more time, Dana, I love you. Dana, you are called according to my purpose. You guys, I have to tell you that I knew when I was writing the sermon that I was not alone in this story. I am not by myself in this room. There are people who have literal physical reactions to the word authenticity. It makes you sick to your stomach because you think, oh dear God, if they only knew, if they only really knew what was going on. But I wanna tell you, you are insanely loved by a God who knows your name and knows the real you. He knows your circumstances. He has loved you before your mama even knew you. You are adored and he wants you in authentic relationship with him. So today, with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you've never made a decision to ask Jesus to come live in your heart, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray with you and you can, you can come into authentic relationship with him. So if there's anybody here that would like me to pray over them, just raise your hand and I'll pray with you. I see your hands this morning. If you'd all pray with me today, dear Jesus, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross. And God, I ask you right now 
to come live in my heart. God, I ask you to make me a reflection of your love and to walk with me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all, we welcome people today in the family of God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap this morning. I wanna tell you that now that you have come into a relationship with Jesus and you're gonna work on building authenticity with him, you need to work on building authenticity. I don't know why I can't say that word. You need to work on building authenticity with people. So look around this room. These people are your people. These people, for so many of you in here, you are my two o'clock phone call, two o'clock in the morning phone call. You're the people I'm gonna call when I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. But I can tell you in my life, the places that I have built the most authentic relationships are the people in my connect group. They are, well, for lack of a better term, they're my people. They'll always be my people, no matter what we do or where we go. There's something about sitting on the couch with people and just getting real that lets you bond really quick. And I'll tell you, we have just reached the end of our connect group season. But tonight we have this big thing that we're doing that's um, like a party to celebrate connect groups, but it's also to celebrate relationship. We want you guys here with us. If you're not in a connect group, that doesn't matter. We want you here. And I just have to tell you that there's a specific competition that I can't share, but it's going to be so awesome. And you, you're just going to want to be here to watch what's going to happen. Because I don't know if you've met Sherry Bro or anything, but she's super competitive. And Amber is very competitive. And John doesn't like to lose either. So anyway, Cheryl, it's going to be so fun. Anyway, y'all come tonight. Come tonight and let's start building authentic relationships with each other. I love you all. Have a great week.